Scott Diger, welcome to today's How to Jab and Thank Knock you. Out the Competition with Real Sales and Marketing Results. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for the mic, Chris. Awesome. So let's jump right in. Um, this is a very, uh, I think, a very uh, broad question, but let's start here. Let the audience know kind of where did you begin? What motivates you? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so my background is primarily business-focused. Um, originally from Wisconsin, I went to UW okay. for undergrad and my MBA, so I'm a Badger through and through. So pretty excited about the new coaching news, if you've been following football at all. Um, but really, most of my career has been in startups, in business leadership mm -hmm. roles, technology development, that sort of thing. But I live in Michigan now, and what brought me here is back in 2010, I want to say, I got recruited over to work for Spectrum Health and help mm -hmm. their innovations program. So I was there for about eight years um, working with Spectrum Health Leadership and doctors and nurses uh, to help explore, develop, and launch new healthcare technologies. So med devices, software, nursing products, that kind of stuff. So really cool job, a lot of really interesting, really complicated things. But um, what led me to lead Buddy now, which is what I do full-time now, our, our web, de web development company, is probably about four years or so ago, just was at a point career-wise where I'd been at Spectrum for a long time and just was really thinking about what's next. And all that, although that role was very, very cool, very, very niche. Like there are just not a lot of jobs. You can just go across the street and say, hey, I want this job, but just somewhere else. So I got thinking about what's next. And, you know, my background, having been in the technology space for a lot of years, I've led teams, I've led projects, done e-commerce startups and things like that. I thought, well, why don't I, why don't I double down and really focus more on like a software leadership career track? So my thought process was, well, I've got a job. Why don't I just start learning some coding on the side? And my thought wasn't to pivot and become a developer because I really like the business side of things. Um, but I found myself really liking it. I always took a bunch of online courses, um, you know, on Udemy and, and things like that and learned full stack development and WordPress. And um, from there, started learning some freelance stuff. So about that time, um, you know, my wife and I were talking about just life and work and that kind of stuff. And you know, she gave me the blessing to leave that job. I'd been in for a lot of years and give the freelancing world a try um, with the agreement of if it works out, great. If not, let's get our job. And it's been over three years since. And uh, so Buddy um, Web Design Development has evolved from me, myself, and I to now uh, an actual legit whole team with a uh, project manager, a bunch of developers, quality assurance, and that kind of stuff too. So it's been a really, you know, fun, fun ride and just really happy to be doing what I'm doing now. That's awesome. So one question I always love to ask, especially yeah. entrepreneurs like you, is where did you where did you come up with the name Buddy? How did, how did that come about? I'm just curious. Yeah, well, if you visit our website, you'll see an image of yep. a, a black lab. And my intent with uh, the branding was I wanted to create a brand that was friendly, iconic, reliable. I think for mm. me, and, and with Buddy, um, our team talks about quality, quality, quality all the time, like quality design, quality development, quality, custom relationships. And I think for me, my intent with Buddy was, and the Black Lab was kind of a, a classic, friendly, reliable image and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's funny because I'll, I'll meet folks and they'll see the website and be like, yeah, I love the dog. And it starts conversations. So I mean, branding's a little bit of uh, throwing stuff out there and seeing what sticks, but I'm glad that the, the dog resonates with people as well too. So that's the story behind it. I love it. I, and and I, it's just so you know, I have a, 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 a one and a half year old chocolate lab Cool. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can relate to to Buddy, and and it, it seems like it's an easy segue, Scott, to just talk yeah. about life. You know, pets, right? Pets are friendly. Dogs, you know, what what, what what's a common phrase? You know, uh, man's best friend, right? Yeah. Um, 
but it's an easy segue to have conversation just in the, with the general public about you know what type of pet, what type of pets you have right so that's kind of a a neat way to really kind of help you know seamlessly uh infuse your brand into you know what you do and how you do it from a website standpoint yeah and i think so too and i think for me what's really important is you know doing our work and building those long-term partnerships i mean any business no matter what you've got to do sales which which entails putting yourself out there but i think yep. you know my own take and what i've learned from doing sales for a lot of years is no one likes the the hard sale that kind of stuff also <laughs> too so it's it's how do you break down those barriers and get in front of folks in a non-intrusive, non-threatening way. Um, and I, I know we probably see it a lot. I, I know LinkedIn has changed a lot, not to get off topic, um, Chris, but I've, I've seen a lot more of LinkedIn invites where right away you have this new contact, they start selling you on something or social media. So, I mean, maybe I'm just not with the times and that's how things are done nowadays, but maybe I'm more of a traditionalist of like, I, I'd rather play the long game and build those relationships the right way um, get off on the right foot from the start, do a really good job, you know, and let things evolve a little more naturally too. So I, I digress, but yeah, I, I uh, totally get you as far as the pets and, and those commonalities and things like that being good icebreakers and uh, ways to build that rapport and what have you. That's awesome. You can actually, it's, it's funny you bring up the LinkedIn because I just, I just created a post about it the other day. Yeah. I'm literally getting a flurry of random messages hitching me right off the bat and but mm -hmm. they but they won't stop like and i think what i'm realizing is people just in this new environment they don't know how to sell mm -hmm. and unfortunately they're being abrasive and pushy to the point yeah. where i mean you know you, you you can you can probably guess that that, that my response rate is zero mm -hmm. because they haven't built rapport they haven't played the long game yeah. they haven't gotten to know kind of the no like trust that I, that I try and, you know, mm -hmm. preach and promote to my clients and my audience is building rapport. And then once you gain that level of level of credibility, then you have the doors open where you have the ability to have a discussion around business, right? A discussion around mm -hmm. what you do, how you do it to see if yep. there's a fit, but this whole jumping right in and, and trying to just, you know, ask for business right away. It's, it's a huge turnoff. So unfortunately I'm seeing the exact same trend you are right now. Yeah, it's interesting too. Um, as we were setting up this conversation together, you sent over some things to think about, and yep. one of the questions was trends. And and one came to mind right away. Yep. Granted, like I don't have hard metrics to offer at this moment, Chris, per se, but just perception wise and kind of qualitatively, I think one thing I'm just curious about in the next year or so is just how social media evolves. Because I feel like for me, um, I think Facebook and a lot of folks my age, like you know, are kind of weaning off Facebook and kind of over it. You know, Twitter. Who knows where that goes with Elon Musk, LinkedIn, mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe again, it's just me. Maybe I'm a, a, a good target customer to get hit with those sales requests, you know, on LinkedIn as well, too. It's just interesting how I'm, I'm feeling like social media, just things are changing a little bit. How, and granted, this was, gosh, 15 years or so ago now when Facebook came out, where it was novel and new, but just it's interesting how all of those have morphed a bit and um, been used more and more for sales purposes or political purposes or what have you. And, um, you know, it makes me wonder, like, do we revert back to, you know, hey, let's really focus on getting in front of people, shaking hands, you know, more so than leveraging that. I don't think it's going to go away, but just, you know, one of those things on my radar, I'm just curious how that evolves and what it means for businesses and what have you, you know? Absolutely. No, I completely agree. And th this, you know what, this might be a, another discussion for a different day between you and I, because, yeah, I could also talk at length about, you know, what I see from a social media standpoint. Well, let's focus in on kind of, you know, your, your, your bread and butter, your niche, you know, yeah. the, the website piece. So what, 
give me some other, what are some other trends you're, you're, you know, you're seeing as we head into 2023 here? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, so we work when it comes to website development, primarily on WordPress and with, our, okay. with WordPress, we use Elementor, which is a page builder. Yep. So it's interesting how just over time, you know, when web development, you know, when I first started learning about it, it was knockout HTML and CSS code. Like you just do it manually and WordPress has come out and now there's Wix and Weebly and Webflow. It's funny. I, I was looking more into Webflow as a content management platform in the last mm. few days because um, it's what I've known of, but just I keep hearing about more and more people saying, hey, can you help me out of Webflow? And this has been around for a couple of years, but it's interesting because it seems like um, more and more, and, and this will segue a bit into how, how Buddy, how we kind of serve folks as well. Yep. It seems like there's only becoming more and more easy platforms to use to create a website, kind of drag and drop builders where I need to decide, okay, I'm going to click in a header and then we're going to drag in a photo and that kind of thing. Um, so it's interesting how the web development space is evolving, where the barrier to entry is a little bit lower, so to speak, where, you know, I, I tell a lot of clients, you know, with Elementor, which we use, um, we always do like a handoff call to make sure our clients know how to use it. I say, if you can update Facebook or um, create a PowerPoint, like you can probably use this page builder. But I think where, where we still see a lot of folks get stuck is that even though technology-wise, it's easier to build websites, there's still that artistic side of it where it still takes some art and science to make it look really nice, to have a good user interface, those sort of things. And then on top of that, it's not just you build it and they'll come. Like you've still got to drive clients to the website. And it's got to be this you know comprehensive, congruent process of targeting the right folks, getting this to your website, making sure your website looks nice and like speaks to them right away guiding them through the process to where that call to action is, those sort of things. So I think um, to get to your question, Chris, you know, it, it seems like trend-wise, a big one is technology-wise and platform-wise getting easier and easier in theory on paper to build sites, but there's still this bigger thing. It's not just the website. It's all the things that go around it to be part of that sales pipeline and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, that's one of those things that's always evolving and, and uh, a good chance for coaching and just strategy and things like that. Excellent. And, and, and I, th I think you're probably, you know, just kind of piggybacking off of that with my next question, which I think you probably answered, but I'd like to kind yeah. of have you kind of really niche it down is I've had a lot of discussions with wh whether I, whether my experience in the corporate world or, or with clients about websites and, you know, what, what you should or shouldn't do kind of the pros and the cons, right? Yeah. I'm curious from your standpoint, as you, as you uh, execute websites for, for clients in, in different industries is, what is the one area that companies miss the most when you're either creating a website or enhancing the website? Hmm, that's a really good one too. And I think it probably depends a little bit on where companies are at phase-wise too. I think okay. one thing I've learned as well is, you know, startups, um, for example, I'll make a drastic difference here. Startups sure. are just in a very different spot and have different needs than like a, a big established Fortune 500 corporation, right? So, um, for the small companies, you know, usually it's, I'm just getting started. I don't have a huge budget. I just need something. <laughs> so, so a lot of Got times it. it's really important is, you know, you, you know, the analogy of the three-legged stool of price, quality, and speed. And it's just interesting. A lot of those, I don't mean to generalize because I know there's exceptions, but generally speaking, you know, and I, I've been in this boat too. You want a website and like, okay, this seems really easy. I need it really fast, really cheap. I'm going to find somebody for a couple hundred bucks. And the trade-off there is quality, right? Because um, it, it just takes so much thought to um, put together a site the right way, build it the right way, test it, do all those sort of things as well. So um, 
I guess a caveat or thing that's missed a lot of times is um, not always being mindful of the, the work that really goes behind a really good website. But the thing is, I, I get it though too, if you're starting up, budget sometimes is, is really a challenge and limited and you just need something to see if your business is gonna work or not. You know, So I think that's a big thing that comes to mind for, for small businesses. So for the large corporations, one interesting thing, and this actually I saw once in a while in, in prior jobs with large organizations too, is uh, as marketing managers and folks that are responsible for websites, um, people in those roles, super, super busy. And a lot of times um, you have a lot of resources. So the natural thing as well as outsource it. And it's interesting how many times I've talked to folks as buddy clients or prospective clients where um, the web enables folks, website owner, owners to do a lot of stuff with the website without having to go through that third party. So a conversation I have a lot of time with folks that need help on their website is, hey, you know, I had this developer and they've gotten really busy. I don't know how to update it. It's on their platform, on their content management system. So a big conversation I have a lot, and this goes, you know, not just big companies, but smaller ones too, of how do, how do we help get you on a platform where you've got a website that looks great, but you also can update yourself as well. And this goes back to a prior comment about how, you know, there are certain things like layout and the structure of a site that usually set up in a, in a deliberate way for mobile responsiveness for, you know, that kind of stuff too. But if you're, whether you're a manager in a large corporation or a business owner for a startup, website technology now allows you to easily log in, change text, swapping out photos, those sort of things. And those things um, are easy to learn and things you can knock out really quickly too. So again, with the, the caveats, you know, in a big corporation as a leader, you're really busy. Um, I think a lot of companies overspend probably and don't realize how much they can do really easily in-house with the right platform. Yes. <laughs> From experience, sorry, I'm, I'm shaking my head going, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything you're saying makes sense because I, I, you know, I've, I've outsourced um, multiple times as a marketing manager, right? Going, yeah. I think it was almost like I could probably figure it out, but I didn't feel like I had enough time to do it. Yep. Where it would be something like, okay, hey, Scott, um, you know, I, I've got WordPress, I have Elementor, um, need your help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And, honestly, and, then we, and then that dialogue continues. Yeah, and you're going to delegate it away either if you can't do it, you're going to have a team member do it, your assistant right. or right. a junior team member, or you're going to outsource those sort of things too. Um, a, a big caveat I'd watch out for though is, you know, I think an 80 20 rule, having a proprietary platform, something that's custom built for you. Uh, that makes me a little nervous just because, you know, mm. WordPress, Wix, Weebly are, are widely used and really well vetted. There's a lot of yep. developers that work on those. There's a lot of support. Um, unless you need something truly like really custom, um, you know, if you can use a, a well vetted platform, that's that's a better way to go, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's no that a great tip for the audience that, that, that that'll that'll be watching this. So let's let's dovetail that into I've had many debates on this content versus the flow of a page content, meaning words per page, right? Yeah. How do you help clients achieve the right balance when it comes to <laughs> right? The visual, the aesthetics, the creativity mm -hmm. where you want somebody like me to engage in it versus the right balance of, okay, how many words should be on the page from an SEO standpoint, yeah. right? Because nobody seems to understand the Google algorithm. I've talked to many SEO experts. Nobody, and find that I, I feel like it's like uh, Superman's. Um, oh, what's the? Uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, um, the night for like the golden nugget, right? Oh, like yeah, the, yeah. The, the 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 pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, so yeah. kind of help help our help our audience understand like 
how do you balance the flow of the content with making sure it's engaging at the same time? Yeah, and, and you nailed it just in your question. I mean, it is really a balance because on one hand, you know, um, one of my favorite quotes that I share pretty widely is a Mark Twain quote. It's, if I had mm. had more time, I would have written you a shorter letter. And huh. I love that because the irony of like, yeah, well, that why would it take longer to write a shorter letter? But I think, you know, as business owners and leaders, we've got so many things we want to say, so many talking points, so many selling points, so many ways we're unique versus the competition. But as generally speaking, like our attention spans aren't that good, right? Like we scroll through a phone really quick. If something doesn't resonate with us right away, we're gone and we're going to move on yep. to some other website, right? So it's really a balance. And I think website wise, I mean, you think about this website as kind of a tool or a funnel, so to speak, right? So if someone goes to your homepage, you've right away in that hero section or top section, you've got to grab attention, um, try to communicate your brand with a great photo or a great image, a tagline that really says what you do. So people can quickly assess like, is this for me or not? Is this what I'm looking for or not? And generally speaking, I mean, and, and granted, every rule is meant to be broken, right? But the homepage is one of those attention grabbers where really it's, are you going to dig deeper or not? So you want images, you want pictures, but you want a really clean layout, generally speaking, um, to really grab attention and let folks go deeper if they want. So granted, this is going to be different if you've got a very technical, you know, website or product or business where you need to really get into nuances of how you're different versus a consumer product like, you know, Nikes or Apple where the imagery and things like that are more important. But when you dive deeper though, you're spot on. SEO has got a really big um, you know, driving factor here too. You've got to have a good volume, like number of words actually on your page to, to give that nudge in search results. So there's a balance there, you know, and it depends on what page of the website. So um, if I was going to generalize, you know, blogs and things like that are great places to add a lot of content. And update those on a really regular basis because that will make the Google search results happy. They'll see a lot of really good dense content um, that you can share with a lot of those keywords packed in um, on like about pages or product pages. You can dive deeper, but really, you know, unless folks get a direct link to that blog post, they're never going to see those pages unless they get to your homepage and say, yes, these people seem credible. The brand resonates with me and makes sense. I want to dig deeper also. So it's a little balance of that first impression versus the meets. And, and granted, as mentioned, it's going to be industry specific, different depending on who your target customers are. But but you're right. It's really a balance of, of what to do to play those cards all the right way. Yeah, I, I know I've opened up Pandora's box because we could spend <laughs> yeah. hours talking about just that. Right. But I think that's that's really good perspective you know for those that are either on the small side startup side or that are you know in in the middle or on the enterprise enterprise side of you mm -hmm. know how they're trying to elevate their brand and their their image and in their yeah. behaviors where they want more people to interact with what they do and one thing we find too and talk about a lot with clients is we'll we'll go into projects for example saying hey we think this will be a 10 or 12 page website we get into and realize you know what we can consolidate a lot of this like let's make the homepage be more of a sales document where there's an attention grabber and what value add and then a call to action. So it's a very um, linear but natural sales process where you get the sure. go through education and selling and there's some sort of call to action there as well. Um, and then some of the page are like, well, do we really need a team page? Well, is that team page helping add credibility and leading folks to get in touch or to express interest in sale? Maybe, but if not, maybe we don't need it and those sort of things too. And I, I think something else, you know, trend-wise is, a lot of folks visit sites on their phones nowadays and you're using your thumb. So um, navigating through numerous pages and things like that, just is kind of a pain. 
So the more yep. you consolidate onto that first homepage or a page or two, um, that's just a lot easier to navigate with your thumb on your phone and things like that and a better fit for attention spans nowadays. Love it. Less is more. I, I love how you, 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 yeah, you emphasize that fact. So let's briefly touch on video. I, I seem to yeah. talk about video a lot, but video is important, especially on websites. Mm-hmm. What is your perspective, Scott, on how clients can maximize videos on their, on their website, whether it's their homepage or different landing pages that they're, that you're helping them create? Yeah. And this might just be a stylistic thing because of who we work sure. with. I think for me, videos, um, you know, there are some websites where the purpose is to be a very video intensive site, to have a lot of podcasts, a lot of videos or things like that. But I think for me, um, videos and any type of media, you know, work well as kind of a spice, maybe not the main course per se. So like, Mm. for example, um, when somebody goes to your website, you want to have an engaging hero section. So hero section is that first part that shows up on your screen. Um, People call it above the fold, that part. So, you know, having some compelling images, some motion or some sort of natural transition galleries work really well. There's a little trade-off though with video and a lot of folks, you know, think, well, let's do a video. Um, The trade-off there is if you're adding a video that adds uh, bulk to your site, which makes it slower. um, Yes. Add from a user standpoint, because no one wants to wait for that. Also, Google penalizes you for slow loading speeds as well. So um, something we'll encourage a lot is, you know, if there are other ways to add uh, engaging photos, add some motion, that sort of way, just to get that first paint is what it's called, that first load really, really fast. That's good for user experience as well. Um, and also Google's algorithm. And then have videos uh, embedded down throughout as well too. So hosting through Vimeo or YouTube, for example, also. But again, it's all it's all part of that strategy of um, you think about folks and what your goals are for your site and people's attention spans. If someone scrolls down, are they going to stop and watch a five-minute video, scroll, watch a five-minute video or not? Or is that going to detract people as well? So um, I, I, I hate to play it. I hate to play it both ways, so to speak, but it really depends on you know, what are you going for? Is your product or service something where you need that personal touch? You need that sales pitch? Um, you need to explain stuff. Um, and is that a good hook to, to get them to take the next step? Or are people um, going to just be overwhelmed by that and bail? So, um, you know, take an entire day, you got to think about that kind of sales process and the kind of the psychology top to bottom of how those fit in. Love it. I mean, again, this is another topic you and I could spend hours <laughs> on, right? But yeah. I, I think to your point, yeah, it's a balance. It's a balancing act. It's what do you want? Again, I, I think back to behaviors, right? The, the the behaviors of your target audience. What do you want them yeah. to do, right? Is it a video component? Is it maybe it's words? Maybe it's imagery, right? So it's something yeah. as a as either a owner or 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 a marketer or somebody in sales or leadership is begin with the end in mind. The Stephen Colby yeah. quote, right? Yeah. What is your end game? Love your perspective. Yeah, and I think it depends too a little bit on presentation. So normally, um, yep. it's funny. I was watching um, a video on YouTube the other night. And uh, there was an ad before the video I wanted played. And a lot of times just like, okay, how fast can I skip this? You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't care. It doesn't apply to me. Like, I just want to watch what I want to watch. But uh, there was a guy, I can't remember his name, but he he seemed like a motivational speaker that like goes and probably charges a ton of money. And like, his video was really polished. And um, although in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm not going to sign up for whatever this guy's selling, but it was just so well done. And like, just going through the sales process. And I feel like, well, gosh, if, if you've got video that's really well done, like that is engaging as well. And that's just no offense, but that's way better to, you know, what I do video wise, you know, 
Um, so I think if you've got something that's really professionally done and is done in a deliberate way that can help supplement or maybe even, I'd say, take the place of, but really fits well as a key component of your marketing strategy, man, by all means, integrate that in the website for sure, because that's going to lock in a lot of people and keep them, keep their eyeballs on the page. Um, if they're more Absolutely. like a random hodgepodge, maybe not so much. Yep. Yep. And I, I you know, I, I think about just storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. If you're an effective storyteller, <laughs> right? Yep. Video is going to resonate. No, that's awesome. Let me leave you on this last question. Um, going back to your experience in healthcare at, at Spectrum, yeah. um, you know, w- w- with HIPAA, you know, and I've talked to some other uh, agencies that that work with, you know, um, uh, companies in the healthcare industry is, it seems to be getting harder and harder for marketers and, and leaders to penetrate and educate their target audience. Mm-hmm. What has your experience at Spectrum Health kind of taught you about innovation in in helping you elevate their brand in in reaching the target audience for what you were trying to achieve with whatever project you were you you were working on um yeah over there at spectrum yeah and and i think my lesson is dang it is really really hard so <laughs> so the, the way our team worked at spectrum health is that we were an internal resource to employees so if there was a doctor mm. or a nurse employee who had an idea for a med device for example or software they could submit their ideas to our innovations team we would work with them to vet out the business case the case mm. you know, from a medical standpoint if it made sense, prototype of that kind of thing. And for us, you know, we were like an internal med device development team, but we had the advantage of we were already in the system, right? So we had access to data, we had access to clinicians. But what's interesting is I, I left before COVID hit, but just keeping in touch sure. with friends there, you know, um, it already for our internal team was hard to get time with those key leaders, key decision makers, because they're so busy, rightfully so, taking care of patients that you yep. know, having a feedback session on devices is just really hard. COVID made it even harder because you're spreading stuff, you know. And I think um, some lessons learned, you know, along those lines too is when you're trying to get in with folks and, and even if you have buy-in from leaders and people that make purchasing decisions, there's also this financial requirement and there's so much pressure to reduce costs and improve care that um, generalizing, it seemed like um, if we had a product that was a, a better mousetrap, but we could also like, easily clearly show cost savings, whether directly through the price point being lower or through like, hey, we're going to spend this money and therefore readmissions are going to go down and therefore here's the bottom line cost. You've got to have a good product and people that are going to help champion it internally that can vouch for the product, but then also a rock solid, easy to digest financial benefit as well. So those are, so even for an internal team, those are three really hard boxes to check. So for an external organization, someone that might be developing a device and has to get into the hospital and sell them things like that. I mean, I think step one is you, you've got to find advocates. And I think that goes back to uh, step 101 of, um, you know, you've got to find somebody who's a nurse leader or someone in the surgical supply or, or whatever that appropriate area is that likes you, gets the product, believe in it, because it is, it is a long journey. It's not like you can just you know, go to Walmart and buy something, you've got to go through, you know, value analysis and safety analysis. It is a long sales cycle and you've got to have somebody on the inside that really is going to champion that product for you to get it in. Awesome. Yeah. Great perspective. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a niche for, you know, but, but healthcare is, is, well, (laughs) obviously (laughs) it's extremely important, right? So I think that's a really, really interesting Mm -hmm. perspective on, on, on helping, you know, companies elevate their status and their brand and, and figuring out, how to how to manage the, 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 the yeah. how to manage the different pieces, knowing that yes, there's always a financial component to what mm-hmm. you're trying to achieve, and yeah. how do you break through those barriers? I love that. Yep, and every system, every hospital system will have their own processes, hoops to jump through, things like that too, and just 
um, again, finding that internal champion that can help you navigate yep. those and, and navigate the politics and the, the prices and vetting committees and things like that too. Um, there's no way any um, one salesperson, I would imagine from the outside could know how to navigate the nuances of all those systems, the people, the players and things like that also too. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated space. It's a really cool space, a lot of interesting stuff going on too, but it's it's not easy, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So Scott Dagger, where can people find you? What types of companies or industries do you typically work with uh, in with your line of work in helping yeah. companies elevate their brand with websites? Yep, so people can search on online for Buddy Web Design and Development. Our website's buddywdd.com. And usually we work with clients all across the board from you know mid-sized to large companies also. We work across industries. I, I do have a lot of healthcare contacts. We do a lot of work in the healthcare space, but I think the common theme for our customers is going back again to the kind of quality, quality, quality aspect. You know, we really try to build sites that are built the right way, easy to manage, and just look great. So a lot of clients we work with are established businesses or startups that know, hey, we need a really nice elevated web presence that's really gonna help set us apart from our competition and, and be really positioned as a premier, really well-run really well-branded, well-polished company as well, too. So we work across the board. We've worked with actually some some well-known uh, celebrities to uh, small businesses. Construction has been a big space for us as well, too. But I think for us, you know, if you if you need something looking really, really nice, um, we can probably design that for you. So that's that's a sales pitch, Chris. No, that's awesome. Hey, listen, and, and I do want to also give a shout out to Curtis Hayes because the power of LinkedIn is real, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like it's the six degrees of separation of Kevin Bacon, right? Kevin Bacon mm -hmm. being in all these movies for those that are <laughs> as old as me. But um, he connected us to you, right? And, and yep. the power of LinkedIn, if done correctly, <laughs> yes. if done correctly, can really help you grow your no-like-trust network mm -hmm. through a platform like that. So that, that's that been fantastic for me to, you know, for, for me to have you on today's uh, podcast. It's just a... It's a win-win, and, and I think it's only going to get uh, better as time goes along. Yeah, and I think despite my you know qualms about the social media and evolution and those sort of things too, it, it is nice, and I I, uh, I feel hesitant to say this, but I think maybe a silver lining of COVID and lockdowns that just has made connecting in this sort of way virtually and just being able to meet and interact with folks virtually a lot just more normal too. So it's nice to kind of break down those barriers for what they're worth also. 100%. Awesome. Well, Scott Tiger, welcome for attending today's How to Jab and knock off the competition with real sales and marketing results. We really do appreciate your uh, time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.